Welcome to Rebel Rebel, the brand new podcast. This is the very first episode. I am Lauren Drabble, and today I'll be talking to Meryl Overson. We went to high school together at Mount Carmel in San Diego, and this is the first time we've talked actually in years. We reconnected at a reunion, and he is a restaurateur who is running a home care business and consulting restaurant stuff on the side right now, being a kind of stay-at-home dad. He runs what he calls a franch, which is a farm and a ranch outside of San Diego. And he's an interesting, all-around quirky guy. I think that you'll really enjoy listening to our conversation, but I do want to warn you, there is a lot of discussion about child abuse and substance abuse. And if you do want to hear the rest of the interview, but not that, you can email me and I will tell you the times to avoid. Well, without further ado, let's jump on in to Meryl Overson on Revel Revel. Thank you for being my very first guest. You're very welcome. So, yeah. hi, Meryl Overson. Hi, Lauren Drabble. How are you? I'm better now that we're actually talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had anxiety about this for about the last hour, maybe. Really? No, even more. I, I had dreams about this last night. Very good. I like yeah. that. That works. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about how we know each other. Uh, oh, 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 hang on, let me start off with, I have a terrible memory, which is, do part you? Of, yeah, which is part of why I want to do this. I can right. remember really weird shit and trivia and stuff like that, but then I have huge gaps. Oh yeah, I do as well. So I'm okay. right there. Okay, cool. So do we know each other? <laughs> uh, I would say high school, yes. Yes, but let's be more specific. Ooh, do tell. Okay, well, let's back up. Okay. When you got the email about the topic of the podcast, which is about details, coincidences, synchronicity, fate, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. what did you, what first came to mind when you saw the topic? Um, I just thought of how life is kind of like, I guess it's truly is cyclical and everything kind of comes around and people... I would say even, especially from our area, because I'm back in this area. I'm back in Poway. I'm back in that same school district, in that same lifestyle. And it feels like everything kind of comes around for a reason. And I'm going through crazy life changes. And my high school time is still something that has, I guess, really molded me. And a lot of the, the different people, the, the not, you know, not the, the average everyday people, but the people that were kind of unique on the sidelines are the ones that have always stuck with me. And when you came across, it was very interesting at that time that my daughter's school was in a weird trauma and there was all kinds of stuff there. And then you came up and I was like, it was kind of a, a wonderful reprise back to where I started from. Sweet. Okay. For me, most of my beginning memories are from high school. So you're saying that prior to high school, you don't really remember your childhood? No. <gasps> Wait, do you know about me? You know what? I don't know if I know any truth. So okay. let's, let's get the truth out there. So I started normal kid, you know, all that kind of jazz, identical twin brother. Um, I had, I had uh, a mom who passed away when I was 10 years old. Um, and I lived with my father and I'm going to get graphics. So get ready. If you don't want to hear stuff, you got to know. Oh, I'm totally good. And I can always okay. warn people who might be listening. 
So, so uh, my mom died, and then my dad, who was a doctor at the VA hospital at the time, decided to become a drug and alcohol addict um, and became, well, he already was abusive, but then became extremely physically and mentally abusive and was like out of control. Um, he quit being a doctor at one point right before he died when I was 14. So when I was a freshman in high school, um, I, my dad died. Um, and so at that point we had nothing. We were living, we had to live with my older brother who had just turned 21, um, who had graduated from Mount Carmel and all kinds of stuff. But he then took child abuse to a whole new level where your brother did. Yeah. My older brother, not my twin brother, my older right. brother. Okay. Wow. Um, and, uh, and I, I finally was escorted out of the house after Ian and I ran away with police officers because my brother came and got me and all kinds of craziness. Like that's crazy all on its own. Um, so right there at high school, as I basically blocked everything out, I didn't like who my father was and I hated what he did to me for years. Um, and then my high school was my solace. It was my way to get away from it. And all of the people in that school, which are still like, weirdly still friends of mine to this day became like my second life it was my twin brother and i and then every day was just terror going home finally we ran away at 17 we lived with uh another high school friend of ours brian patterson hmm. his parents took us in so we lived with them so my high school years were really i i would say they formed me i didn't drink alcohol i didn't do any drugs i didn't do anything bad i played soccer and was okay you know, uh, but I learned that my life was my own and I could own, I was the only person that was going to guide this ship. And so um, my high school years became important to me. You know, those people like, you know, I still think of odd people from high school, like Brian Fear, who I was friends with in high school and he was just out there. Yeah, wearing you know? like the Jason masks to school. Yeah, and dude. Yeah. And I used to hang out with that guy all the time because I thought he was so unique and so fun. Like, I loved it. It was great. Um, you know, so I, I, I look at those times and it's kind of, to me, my high school years have built me to who I am today. You know, I used all of the different personalities that I got from people and have springboarded into, you know, my life now, which I really enjoy. So... So I hate, I mean, you're, you're at a great spot. You're like, I enjoy it, but I'm going to ask you to go back no, you're to good. the part you didn't enjoy. So 14 is when your dad died. Yes. And then you were living with your brother, your older brother, yes. too. you were 17. So you and guys my ran twin away brother. from him. Right. Yeah. So, and the twin brother's name is Ian. I know him. Yeah, Ian. So freshman, sophomore, and then all of junior year? You all were... of junior year. It was right, like right in the summer of my uh, senior, like junior, senior year is when uh, my twin brother and I couldn't take the abuse anymore. And we had come home one day and it was like, you don't get to go anywhere. You don't get to do anything, which meant that we were dead. My older brother also was like a weightlifter. So he was benching like four or 500 pounds. He was huge. And he was on steroids too. And he had been beaten by my dad. So it, it just compounded to where um, we can get really graphic where I've had broken noses, broken ribs, uh, you know, hair missing, um, black and blue, anything that you can think of, like out of control. And so wow. it sucked. Yeah. And it sucked that the majority of people, I guess, didn't know that. No. It didn't help you at all. Uh, and it, that's one of the things. And it's funny, like I talk to my kids about it now, is that if a kid came to school with a bruise now, the whole world would stop. Like there would be a whole YouTube channel devoted to it. Ian and I would go to school and we would have huge cauliflower ears and hair clumps missing, black and blue eyes and stuff. 
and teachers would never say a word. Nothing. No school administrators. And we became friends with them too. Like, um, remember Mr. Orton? Oh, yeah. He became a family friend. Like, Mr. Accarelli is still a friend of mine. Mr. Dutton is still a friend of mine. Like, I see Hank all the time. I see him in Poway at weird-ass places. His daughter's still a friend of mine, you know? And they never suspected. Never just... No, everybody up. knew. They knew, they but, knew. Didn't, but then didn't do anything about it. No, my neighbors, nothing. Nobody, nobody helped us at all. So at 17, my twin brother and I helped ourselves. I have to wonder, how are you friends with any of these people who knew and didn't help? Mm, you know what? You're a kid. You, you, I was a kid. I was learning... I was trying to adapt, you know, uh, I, hey, I will tell you this, though. I learned really quickly that drugs and alcohol were terrible. I watched my dad die right in front of me ODing on drugs. So it was like, wow. you know, my older brother did steroids. So then I learned the other side of it, which was, man, you take something that somebody else says not to take, and it makes you incredibly angry. So I, I looked at it as a springboard for life. Which is the only healthy option, I'm sure. Yeah. But it's still well, amazing. It's still amazing that you did that because a lot of people had a really rough time in high school, not like you did, and said, yeah. nope, can't go back, can't deal with these people, can't relive the wounds by talking to them. Mm -hmm. But you are even friendlier now, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Oh, I've learned, uh, man. And, and I seriously, it's funny. I think back to certain people from high school and I look at the things that I've taken from them, like knowledge and ways to deal with situations. And to me, it was, it was such a huge learning area that, you know, so many people just throw away. And, you know, yes, some people party. I partied. I still had fun. I didn't drink. I was always, the, my twin brother and I were always the designated drivers. Our friends were always safe. We took all those idiots to TJ. Holy cow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, at least you had a DD every time and you never had to worry. Um, well, <laughs> So, okay. So you're saying that when my email went out about what it's about, you were like, hey, I'm at a place in my life that I want to do this. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, so now that we have more of a framework about the theme and about our past, what I'm kind of trying to see is if there's any coincidences, fate, you know, whatever you're comfortable with that word in how we know each other, how we met or whatever, because I love finding those. And because my memory's so bad, there could be a gem that I've totally forgotten. I will just straight up tell you, only time I remember having class with you was junior year economics. Dutton. I have no idea who the teacher was. Yeah. I don't know. I, we were in a trailer. Yeah, it was Dutton. Okay. And here's what I remember about you. You sat just far enough away from me because you were cooler than me. And you could snap your fingers in this weird way. I still can't. <laughs> it's a, what that's is funny. That? There's a coincidence in that. Okay. So I learned, I learned that. Do you remember Chris Durr? I remember the name. I can't remember her face. I'd have to go look him up. He was a, well, I was really small in high school. So he, I always remember him as a big doofy baseball player. Okay. Like he was just one of those guys that was like, Chris Durr. But he was a, like a dipper, one of those guys that dipped. So they taught me how to do it. Not that I ever dipped or did anything, but I wanted to learn because I thought it was cool. So that thing is called a dip? Well, you get it. You get a can, like a skull oh. can, and you pack it. And this hits it and packs it into a corner, I guess. It makes it easier to put a pinch between your cheek and gums. Gross, but whatever. <laughs> whatever. 
It was so still yeah. fun. It's a great story. There you go. But you sat there and you would do that. And I'd be like, how does he do that? So wait, wait, you don't remember anything different. Did we know each other before that class? I would say, I'll tell you one of the first times that it, I would say that I distinctly remember you. It, and I think it's because I was older, was at a reunion. Right, right, right. I think that was like the first time that I would say that I ever really connected with you. I always recognize you as a unique personality, which I enjoy. I like, I like the unique. Yeah, seriously. You know, to me, it makes, that's what makes the world go round. Like you can have a John every day, but man, having a crazy Lauren that does wild stuff, you know what I mean? It's, that, awesome. That, that brings life to me. Awesome. So. Yeah, well, we're here to spark joy. So there you go. There you go. So which reunion? Do you remember? Was it 10 year? Was it before uh, Facebook, after Facebook? Uh, I would say that it was after Facebook. It was not the 10 year. Okay. But I went to the 10 year with my ex-wife and I was really snooty at that point. Because uh, I was, well, I was running Cafe Japango. Do you know the restaurant? Yes. So I used to be the GM. Okay. Uh, back in the heyday. And that's when that reunion was. So I came in, all thought that I was a baller driving my BMW. All like, I just thought that I was a cool guy. Yeah, big time. But yeah, because the 10 year reunion, I remember the most poignant thing that I had was uh, talking to Mike Gerling for the first time in years. Do you remember Mike Gerling? Vaguely. Now, why was that poignant? Uh, so Mike Gerling is the gentleman in our high school that, so he, he and I went to grade school, middle school, high school together, and he got in the car accident yes. and became a quadriplegic and had the two huge, Mike and I were friends and I was the only cat that I knew of that went to the hospital to see him. Oh, wow. And it was like, but I went to the reunion and I'd like, holy cow, I got to see him again in that one. I think it was one of the later ones that you and I started, I guess, connecting and talking and me actually like being mature enough to sit down and have a conversation with you. You know what I mean? I don't know. That sounds right. It's wild. Yeah. It, because at the last one, it was like, hey, we're friends. What's up? What are you doing? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. it's evolved. And now it's just like getting back together after yes. talking on Facebook. So yeah. Yeah. The 10 year there was a horrible vibe of everyone trying to show how awesome they are. Yes. Yes. You remember that vibe? I was part of it. Yeah, you were, it sounds like. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I freely admitted it already. Like, yeah. I totally was. Yeah. You said you became a GM of a restaurant. How'd that happen? Uh, actually, <laughs> which is funny. So I was dating a gal from Poway High. Um, I became her like roommates basically were two girls. They both had boyfriends. I got to be really good friends with the boyfriends. One boyfriend's brother was the head sushi chef at Japango. All right. Um, his name's Jerry Warner. He's married to Michelle Poucher hmm. from high school. She was at Poway High. Her brother played soccer with me. Ah, uh, yeah. So we're talking, you know, we're, we're talking 10 years later. I had, I had been working at Nordstrom um, and stopped working for Nordstrom and went and taught snowboarding for a season because I tried to find myself because I'd never done anything alone. Most of my life, well, all of my life, I had my twin brother in the beginning of it. And then, you know, I've had like girlfriends or whatever throughout the rest of that time. So at 25 years old, I was like, look, I'm going to do something on my own. I went and taught snowboarding for a season in Lake Tahoe. And when I came back, I needed a job. And I applied at the Hyatt. I did not apply at Cafe Japango. And Jerry found out, who was Bob's brother, got me an interview with the restaurant GM at Japango, who was like, hey, man, you know, I know that you know Jerry's brother and all this kind of stuff. What do you want to do? You know, you said waiter. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, I've, I think I'd be an okay waiter. 
And he put me in my place, asked me about wine, which I knew nothing about because I didn't drink at the time still. Like at 25, I'd had 22 drinks of alcohol. Like I counted them. Yeah, I know it's wow. stupid. No, no, no. It's amazing that you did that. Yeah. And it was, and it, one of them was, uh, there were quite a few that were actually forced. My first one, my first drink of alcohol was forced on me by my older brother. Hmm. And it was like a 32 ounce thing of orange juice and wild turkey 101. <laughs> never again never again <laughs> just saying oh um, scared straight move right there yeah, so when uh i came back they he was like you know the the gm sat me down he's like look i don't have a waiter position for you but if you want to be a busboy you can and jerry was like look man take the busboy position i'm 25 i'm like dude i gotta figure it out so i do the busboy position for two months they promote me to waiter one month into being a waiter, uh, they promote me to, and I know it doesn't sound much, but to the Sunday night shift for the sushi bar where I would pull three, $400 every Sunday night. It was so, it was simple. And then at six months, they offered me the assistant manager's position. Wow. I did that. Yeah, I did that for one year. And then I got offered a GM's position for another restaurant. I did that for six months. Worst experience in my entire life. Guys doing sh- shady things with money all over the place and i worked more in one week than i probably have the rest of my life i pulled 122 hour work week it was like i never uh, i would never do it again um i quit on 1999 new year's eve was my last night so i went out with prince who was awesome back to high school again nice (laughs) i was right back to prince and i was like this is awesome man and uh at that point when i quit the other position for GM for Japango came open. They offered it to me, and I was the GM four years. And I loved it. Oh, I loved it. And it was a healthier environment then. Oh, my God. Japango was amazing. Yeah. Uh, it, was, uh, it was like high school. So in my life, I've had like poignant things. So I had high school. I didn't go to college. Uh, Ian went to college, graduated with honors. Smart as And so I, uh, I did the the GM part and actually really enjoyed it. I loved every moment of it. I wouldn't, I learned so much between Japango and high school that like, those are my two that I bounce off of. Like I didn't play football. I wasn't some sort of athletic superstar. So I, I look at it as the growing periods of my life. I grew a lot in high school. I learned to become myself. And then Japango, I learned how to become like a business person. So I was running a $4 million restaurant at 27. It was wild. My life was crazy. Like I was some sort of cool guy that got to go everywhere. And then we go to our stupid reunion and I'm like, what's up? Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith. Yeah, dude. I roll up my BMW. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm the guy. And I'm like, dude, I'm such a putz. So prior to the reunion, what did you learn about yourself? Um... Oh God, in that time frame. So Ian and I had a falling out. Nobody really knows that. Uh, we weren't friends. We probably didn't talk for almost 10, 11 years, like really talk. So in that time period, I became solo basically. And I had to learn to do everything on my own. And it was, it was pretty gnarly because I'm used to having like a, a partner in my life. I like, I like that duality of life. Hence, having a twin brother. I was never, I was never alone. So right. it sucked to try and do it. Right, right. So I learned to be alone. I learned, I learned to be stronger for myself. I learned to do everything on my own instead of utilizing somebody else. And that's what, you know, when I worked for, I worked for Nordstrom for years. I was a terrible salesperson. Terrible. I'm sorry. Really? I don't like, I, 
Yeah. Oh, I hate, I hate pushing things on people. And Nordstrom's like, yeah, sell them 10 white shirts. I'm like, they only need two though. Why would I sell them 10? And so I wasn't really, I I wasn't aggressive enough. Now my customer service skills were great, but my salesmanship, I was like, I did, I don't want to, I, I can't shark sales. Like I'll take the guy that wants the socks and help him. I don't need to go sell the suit for $2,000. Right. Right. Um, Nordstrom and I saw differently on that. Yes. Right. <laughs> Made restaurants my natural fit. I got into it and just blossomed. Yes. It's all customer service. Having a twin brother and having my alone time, I learned to deal, I guess, with situations differently. You know, having to come from having always had somebody else who would deal with a problem for me instead of me doing it. When I became in my early 20s, before I became a GM, I had to learn to deal with things on my own. Um, where I, so I learned, you know, to work as a group as well as solo in decisions. So when I became a restaurant guy, I built teams. I became, I loved it. I, I honestly, I love restaurants. I build teams. I build people. I can't even tell you how many people I've grown. Do you know Snooze? Oh, the restaurant Snooze. Of course I do. Snooze. Yeah. That guy was my assistant manager. I almost fired him. And you didn't? Why? Because I was a really generous GM and I just didn't want to. And all, you know, he left $2,000 of cash on my bar top. And while people were walking in and out of the restaurant. Wow. Now, Jamango $2,000 wasn't really a huge amount of money. Right. But. It's still cash lying around. Yeah, I get it. I almost fired him and he and I talk about it all the time. Well, I told him, uh, he's like, hey man, if you ever open a restaurant, what would you open? And I was like, I would open a breakfast restaurant. Something clicky, something interesting. Nobody touches that market. Mm-hmm. So sure enough, he, he's working for me at Jpango. We get him to open up the Jpango in Vegas. And then he quits and he goes to work in Chicago for a restaurant tour. His name was Charlie Trotter. So he went and worked for him, became like this, you know, learned his restaurant stuff from him. And then went back to Colorado and pitched his restaurant forever until he finally on like his 23rd try, he hit this angel investor and Snooze was born. Huh. The one down, you're near Denver, yes? No, you're Boulder, right? No, I'm, I'm about 45 minutes southwest of Denver. I'm about an hour-ish east of Boulder. So I've been to Snooze more Denver. Yeah. The, it started in, in Denver. Yeah. And he literally, like, he lived above it. Him and his brother lived above it. They grew that beast. When I started at Japango, the guy that hired me on became my mentor. His name is Robert Butterfield. This becomes important because Robert quits. That's how I become the GM of Japango. He opens his own restaurant called Parallel 33. And then John Schlegel is my assistant. He's the cat that goes and opens up the Vegas one, goes to Charlie Trotters and opens up Snooze. So he starts building Snooze. He gets to his third one. He invites me to come work with him. At the time, I'm in Oklahoma and I'm getting ready to open my own restaurant. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. You know, I went up and I hung out with him and his wife and saw Snooze and I love the operation. I called up my boy, Robert Butterfield, who was my mentor, whose restaurant had closed and he'd worked for a couple of different people. He then ended up getting a hold of Schlegel and was like, all right, dude, I'm in. And he became the area, like the Southwest area manager when they opened up La Jolla and everything. So my restaurant world is tangled. So in other words, you eat at Snooze for free. No, not anymore, which sucks. John sold it. He sold it to an investment firm and Robert quit. And I'm like, damn it, I don't have any juice anymore. Oh. And Schlegel actually opened up. He opened up a new wine bar in Denver. Oh, what one? Uh, I don't know. One that just opened up. But he went. So he sold Snooze and moved to Italy for like three years to learn about making wine, learn how to make wine, moved back to Denver, and then started buying wine from Italy and making it there in Denver. 
Wow. Okay. Well, I will find that. We have a bunch and it's hard to keep up, but this just makes me want to invite you to Colorado more so we can all hang out together. Oh, hey, I'm, yo, uh, I have been married for 16 years. I'm going through a divorce right what? now. What? Hold on. And this is where it gets really bizarre. This is where we've got all kinds of okay. stories. I've got like eight I'm sitting nights. back. So uh, my wife and I still live in the same house. Um, we are still best friends. Um, we still sleep in the same bed. Uh, we're building a second house, which is almost done. And so we'll flip-flop back and forth. We're going to do nesting. Uh, we stay on the same property, and the kids don't ever have to leave, and the parents adjust back and forth. Instead of us having a house here and a house on the coast, we live right together now so we'll have a like the how the downhouse is like the person who's alone and they don't have to have any nobody's allowed to go down there unless they're invited oh um but we're still yeah we stay we're you know we're still really good friends i have a girlfriend she has guys that she dates the whole we all kind of intermingle and get together and hang out and we're going through a truly easy divorce I don't work right now. I stayed, I quit. I retired basically two years ago to stay home with the girls and take care okay. of them. Jonna and I, which is my uh, wife right now, uh, we own a business together that does home care. So our business is still working. Okay. And so we've done pretty well with that. And I, we live on a ranch. I live on a ranch in Ramona. Um, I have pigs right now. I've had cows, sheep. Uh, I can milk a cow. I can make cheese. I can, this goofy looks like you just got off the beach guy can process chickens right here in the house right now um and so i oh god i didn't know where it's going with that you came back like something happened oh. off screen that you're filling me in on uh well i closed the door um so you know we're having you know my kids and i we i live this kind of really bizarro life now where you know i went to my girlfriend's house last night came home this morning to talk to you my wife is here uh, we all hang out. We all know each other. It's it's interesting. So obviously you get along and an amicable divorce is always a rare thing. So how did you guys come to this point that this is what's going to be best for us? Uh, that's the cool question. Um, so I would say up until recently, I was still madly in love. Okay. Um, she had lost attraction to me. We'd been married for 15 years. Um, how open do you want me to get? You're talking, man. It's your choice. You say whatever okay. you want. So I, okay, so get ready. <laughs> I'm going to brace. <laughs> um, I live an open lifestyle. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I did, I would say. And I do, it wasn't something that happened every day. It was just kind of a, a rarity. Well, something sparked in her one time and changed her feelings for me. And so we slowly started kind of having, we, we don't really disagree. We rarely fight. Even now, it is a rarity. But we, she just started losing attraction to me. Doesn't mean that we're not still friends. Doesn't mean that we still don't have, you know, one of the things that she said the other day that I thought was great was she was talking to somebody on the phone and they were like, hey, isn't it weird that Meryl's there? And she's like, no, he's my family. And so, it, yeah, it was, a, to me, those are the things, you know, you talk about like life and it's kind of fate or whatever it is. But I look at situations like I looked at a growing situation when I was a kid in high school and it was really poignant. Then I went through a period of time where it was kind of like meh. Then I became a restaurant GM. And in my first few years, Japanga was really my formative. After that, it was kind of like, meh, I was good at it. Like I can run a restaurant in my sleep and do really, really well and enjoy it. I actually, I thrive on it. But then I started not doing anything. 
then I got the opportunity to change my life, which was to take a step back and focus in on my daughters and be a part of their life. And it has been, I will tell you, it has been incredibly moving the moments that I get to share with my daughters. Uh, my daughter, one of them is 15 and one of them is uh, 12. And they are just unique personalities. And I think that's, you know, I come to this now to this divorce to learn and to hopefully share with people. You know, I took my learning from high school and grew it into a restaurant career. I took my restaurant career and grew it into being a good parent. Um, I've taken being into a good parent in restaurant in high school and turned it into a, I hate to say this, a good divorce, you know? Well, no, I, I wouldn't say hate to say that because if you have to go through this because it's the right thing to do, then hopefully it is a good divorce, you know? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about you as a dad. And how yeah. open are you with the girls? Do they know about your lifestyle? Do they know about your family and the issues with the upbringing? Uh, yes. <laughs> so they definitely know about the upbringing. Um, I am not one that doesn't want to share those things because it's part of my personality. I think that they deserved it. Now it becomes a family joke um, because we talk of things and they're like, sad dad stories. <laughs> like there's a full-fledged song that goes on it. Because they're like, my, uh, my I guess, paramour, my soon-to-be ex-wife, uh, gives me a hard time where she's like, you know, she talks about all these warm Christmas, like, that they had as a family. She grew up as a very, like, wonderfully nuclear family, no whole changes until 17, where her mom and dad got a divorce. And they would turn to me and I'm like, hey, remember that story I told you when my dad was passed out and we couldn't <laughs> find him because he was in the car on Christmas morning and the windows were open and the car was dead because the gas was out because he left it on? Yeah, that's my Christmas story. Oh my and gosh. Like, dad! <laughs> and so what did they say besides dad? Like, like la, 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 we don't want to hear it or what? No, at first it was like they were intrigued by it. And now they're just like, man, that's a bummer. But, you know, look what you've become. Yeah. And I'm like, that, that's what I use it as is, Man, no matter what adversity you have in life, it's, it's a choice to move past it. Right. Um, everything in life is a choice. So how did you get so healthy? You know, I don't know. I, 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 I credit a lot of mine to having an identical twin brother. Okay. I think that that person helped me. Like through, you know, when one of us was down, there was always somebody there to pick that person up. And that's why I've lived this like symbiotic lifestyle with people. I think that, you know, People can feed off of each other and give each other things that they need. So I think that Ian gave me a lot of things that I needed to learn. You know, we looked at it like all of the unhealthy paths that people are portraying or that people think are fun, like drugs and alcohol and steroids and whatever. We saw firsthand that they were terrible. You know, I legit watched my dad die right in front of me, like as he OD'd coming down the steps in my house. I watched my brother take a baseball bat and slug me across my ribs with just a fit of anger. And I was like, I don't ever wanna be that person. I've never raised my hand in anger at a person in my entire life. I've never hit anyone ever in my entire life. I don't believe in that. Um, and those are the learning things. And so when you had that sort of breakup with your brother, how healthy or unhealthy were you at that point? I was getting better, but I had already grabbed a hold of somebody that became my next partner. So I'm not really, I, I'm not a very, I wasn't a very good, confident person standing alone. So when I left Ian, I moved right over to somebody else. And it happened to be a woman who was, uh, as my ex-wife knows and everybody knows to me, and I've told her, the one that got away. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's the one. And so, and we're still friends to this day. We broke up 25 
26 years ago. Wow. And we're still friends to this day. Like I hung out, I hung out and showed my daughter, met my daughter, met her and her mom the other day. Oh, wow. So, you know, I think that I was, I was, I was on the track to being really healthy at that time. Um, but I think that every, God, as I get older, I get, I get more confident and I learn more. Shoot, I'll tell you in this last year, which is where my divorce has been, I've learned a ton. I've changed. My personality has changed 180 degrees to where I used to have to rely on other people. In this last year, I've learned to stand up and do things on my own. Dude, I jumped out of a plane. Uh, I didn't tell anybody. It was like I was sitting there on a Tuesday and I was like, hey, I want to do something crazy. And I go, well, I don't know. Called up and they were like, hey, you can jump out of a plane on Monday morning at 930. And I was, I'm going. Didn't tell anybody that I was going and I went. Man, that was terrifying. <laughs> but I'll do it again. Why didn't you tell anybody? Because I, I, I have to, like, I had to learn to do things on my own without asking for people's permission or, you know, appreciation that it's a good decision. And I got back and everybody's like, dude, you're stupid as all hell. What are you doing? And I was like, why not? You know? Right. But what if you told people just to say, I'm excited about this? Like, they don't get to say, don't do it. Yes, do it. Just, I'm excited about it. How would that change? Because in the past, when I would do that, if somebody's view varied than mine, I would adapt that. So with my now soon-to-be ex-wife, I adapted a lot of like her thoughts and her feelings and her ways of yeah. doing things instead of being on my own and making my own. And it wasn't by fault of her. She didn't tell me that I had to do these things. It was just something that we communicated. And I was like, oh, okay, then I won't do that. Yeah. I, wa I, I wanted to do that on my right, own. Right, okay. You know, so I jumped. Uh, it sounds like you're really a self-taught person. Like you taught yourself how to run a ranch, right? Yeah. Uh, hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Doing things on your own that you don't know how to do sounds important to you. Uh, yes, I am. Uh, so I will tell you for a while, I was a very big fella. I got up to like 260 pounds. I was in like a size 44, 42 pant. Um, and one day I decided to change that and started to figure out how to do it. And I, at one point I lost... Uh, I lost about 80 pounds and then I was happy and then I kind of yo-yoed back and forth. And in the last, I would say, four years, um, I've lost, like right now I'm down to about 188. Uh, I've been as low as 171, but I go to the gym four days a week now. I've learned to be healthy. And it it's one of those things that you just kind of learn to do and you start to learn to challenge yourself. So now I keep challenging myself. So new learning to me and doing things on my own is incredibly important. Like I want to get past that thing. So I try all kinds of things. I try it on. What's the most recent thing that you've learned? So I, you know, I learned to play the saxophone at 50 years old. <gasps> really? Yeah. Um, I learned to, as every good parent does, my daughter going through fifth grade had to do an instrument, right? Yep. Bitch, please, you're doing the saxophone. Okay. <laughs> so she started doing it, really enjoyed it. So I was like, man, all right, I'm in it. And then one of my employees at one of my last restaurants was a professional saxophone player. Huh. So he was a teacher. I'm like, all right, start teaching me. So I'm having fun learning to do that. I'm, I think I'm going to take up guitar now because it kind of sounds like a fun challenge. Well, working on the ranch, uh, you probably already have uh, calluses. You're halfway there. Uh, and I weightlift four days a week, like actual weights. Okay. So like I bench and do all that stuff, free weights. So yeah. Uh, and out here, man, I'm right now, my ranch is more weed eating than anything else. We only have pigs and our pigs are pets okay. and they're cooney coonies. I don't know what a cooney cooney is. Uh, it's a New Zealand pig. That's about, I don't know, 
two feet tall and about two feet wide and hairy. Okay. It looks like a woolly mammoth. <laughs> and they are the friendliest, neediest, like crazy, man. I So they live in about a one acre pen. Okay. And when we let them out, so we have four acres. And when we let them out, we let them run the entire four acres because the entire four acres is fenced as well. Well, I have a grass patch. I know totally wrong in California to have a grass patch. But I'll lay on it and those damn pigs will run up and spoon you. And if you don't pet them enough, they yell and they bark and they're... Ah, <laughs> um, cows, on the other hand, right. are the lovingest, sweetest... Oh my, I had a love affair with two cows for uh, like two years. We took care of them for a guy who had a stroke. Oh, okay. These cows would literally like 1000 pound cows would just hug me they would put their head and wrap it around my body and hug me and put their stupid tongues on my face i'm like stop sandpaper so you don't have cows not anymore okay i have had and i milk every day twice a day and are you a vegetarian now no you have issues with your relationship to the animals no 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 you can just compartmentalize it or what Yes. And my family does though. So we have, it's a very, <laughs> so we started this when we lived in Oklahoma and our first, first go round of this was chickens, like most people's is. Um, and we processed our first chicken. There's a picture of my daughter and she's like, the chicken's name was Lady Turkin. It was the ugliest chicken <laughs> on the world. It was so ugly, so ugly. So we go and we process this chicken and we're getting ready to eat it. And my daughter looks at it and she's like crying. She's got tears running down her face. She's like, this is so sad, but so good. (laughs) So whenever we we process animals, so we've had sheep that we've processed all of them. So I've gotten really good at eating lamb and lamb chops and all kinds of stuff. Chickens, turkeys, ducks, all kinds of stuff. Cows. And so uh, we just don't really disclose where the meat comes from sometimes now. Gotcha. Because the rest of the family doesn't, well, right now I have one vegan who's all about it. One who is a, I would say a pescatarian-ish. Okay. And then uh, my wife and I are both, we kind of ride it. We don't do a whole lot of beef anymore because we're watching like we're calorie watching. She's getting ready to do a bikini show like a weightlifting bikini show not like yeah totally different not like (laughs) sorry to make you do a hard segue here but uh, let's talk about what took you to oklahoma uh ex-wife first ex-wife okay it was probably one of the hardest things i've ever done in my life so i was running japan go at the time Mm -hmm. and she tells me that she's pregnant and she does not want to have her child here because she's from Oklahoma. So she wants to move back to Oklahoma with her family. Okay. And I'm at the height of Japango. Like I am, I'm killing it. I'm having so much fun. I'm just, there isn't anything that I can't do. I surf, I go and hang out, whatever. She's like, yeah, we need to move. So we moved to Oklahoma. And I think that Oklahoma, like here, is going to be like restaurant centered. So I get a job as a GM of this place that's opening up that they're like, man, this is going to be a fine dining restaurant. Lo and behold, Olive Garden is considered a fine dining restaurant in Oklahoma. Just saying. Well, what year was this? Oh, 2000 and 2001. Okay. 2001. I get a job at this place and it's terrible. I'm seriously like, I'm going through like my normal questions. I would ask anybody to be a server and the owner's like, I don't even know what the differences are in the wines that we're selling. Don't bother these kids. Just hire them. And I was like, what? (laughs) 
Oh my. Oh dude. And I learned, I worked there for like almost a year and it was the gnarliest thing I'd ever done in my life. Like I came from running something that was smooth. I was killing it. Like I never had to worry to this restaurant that was a cluster where my head chef was huffing at on the line while he's working he's huffing stupid whipped cream can to get high right because he was out of his uh what was it at the time crank or something okay yeah i don't know whatever he was doing and it was like what so i quit the big the owners would come in at three o'clock in the morning and tell me that i had to keep serving him alcohol oh it was terrible oh i worked it was terrible and i was in the midst of getting into my divorce with my first wife right because i just like I was taken from being really happy and I hated everything. And she and I just didn't click, you know, she is one of the only people that I don't uh, of my exes. And I don't mean all my ex wives, but like ex lovers, ex friends, anything that I don't talk to at all. I got together with her at a really bad spot and she was so not my speed that it was just really awkward. Okay. Um, yeah. So you hightail it out of Oklahoma as soon as possible. No, 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 I can't. Cause of the kid. Cause of a kid. So I'm there and I like, right then is when I started changing my life. Cause at this point I was like 260 pounds. I was huge. Like I was, I was like this, I, I didn't do anything. I was at the time I had stopped working for restaurants and I started doing computers for restaurants. Okay. So I sat at a desk and I ate those little chocolate donuts, those mini donut packs, <laughs> three, four daily. Wow. Packs, not donuts. No, three I, or four packs. I know what you meant, but I'm like, wow. Yeah, I know. I'm going to clear. And then the same thing, like, I, I had like 32 ounces of soda constantly. So I just was like, bleh. Yeah. Um, and I, I told myself that I didn't want to do anymore. I was trying to play with my son at the time, and I couldn't breathe, and I couldn't do anything. So I said, forget it. And then the next day, I get a review at this place that I'm, uh, I start going to work for uh, this other place. And I start working for this restaurant, and I get a review from the managers I'm training and they're like, man, Hey, you're the best manager we've ever had. We think you're going to be amazing for this company. We're super excited for you. Your only downfall is, is that you're fat. They actually said that on the review. Wow. It was not, and it was so eye opening. And I was like, okay, I'm trying to play with my son and I can't do it. And this guy tells me that. I'm fat. So the next day I did a drastic turn and went on basically the Atkins diet and didn't tell anybody again. I didn't tell anybody. Oh, dude, there was one point where we were at the restaurant that I was working at. They also own Krispy Kreme. So they brought in a baker's dozen of Krispy Kreme donuts and I ate the whole baker's dozen. Oh, my. In one day. So it was like a 14 hour period, but it was still. Yeah, still. And did anyone say, uh, hello, Meryl, that's for everybody? <laughs> no, because there were like 20 stacks of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they were, nobody even noticed that I had my own box. So we'll fast forward. Uh, I Getting my divorce, it's all going through. I start working at this restaurant and then I get promoted. So I was training at one restaurant and I get promoted to this other restaurant because they need a GM right away. So I get to be the guy. Well, when I walk into this restaurant, I am, I look in and I'm like, ooh. And I'm standing at the host stand and this waitress walks by. And I was like, damn, it's going to be nice working here. That woman is hot. <laughs> um, and so she walks by, who then turns out to become my wife of 16 years. As she walks by and we were talking about it later, she's like, oh my God, another fat gay manager. Just what we need. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you were exuding some gay vibe to her. Uh, in Oklahoma, that was a common thread about me. Really? Why? Why do you think? Oh, it still is here. Why? Uh, because I'm flamboyant. I'm kind of, look, my legs are shaved. My arms are shaved. I, uh, I, 
I'm, I'm a little odd. I like cleaning. Um, there's a lot of things that would scream out that should be. <laughs> uh, hey, I don't know if you remember in high school, do you remember that I took modern dance? No. I was the only guy in dance class. Is this in the yearbook? Because if so, I'm going to dig out my yearbook. No, you won't see it. No, there's no dance. Like, there's no, like, PE class for oh, that. Okay, okay. It was just PE. It wasn't like you joined pop ensemble or something. No, I didn't do pop ensemble, but I did after that. So I did, because of dance in high school, I took tap, jazz, modern, and ballet outside. Wow. Yeah. So that became a very... When I was in high school, man, it was one of those things that people, the football players were at the same time I was in dance class. So people thought that I was gay all the time, all the time. Never, ever heard that. And by the way, I have impeccable gaydar. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, here, I'll tell you something really funny. <laughs> okay. So this is, this is another 180 degree quick turn because this is what happens when you talk to me. Um, we're telling my daughters that we're getting a divorce, right? Mm -hmm. We're sitting down, we're at this table and they're like, we figured you guys were cause you didn't touch and you don't do anything, but you're still weirdly friendly and you go and do stuff and you still sleep in the same room in the same bed and all this kind of stuff. And uh, we're like, well, do you guys have any questions? And my oldest daughter looks at my wife and goes, are you a lesbian? And she goes, no. She goes, well, all I see are uh, girls that you're friends with. And she's like, well, no. And I go, well, is there anything else you have to ask? And she deadpans me, looks at me straight in the face and goes, dad, are you transgender? And I was like, what is the fuck did you just say to me? She's like, I've asked my friends and they all think you are the most feminine man. You are way more feminine than mom is, and you're so good at cleaning. You're so organized. You're impeccably dressed all the time. You get your hair done. Your nails are done. I'm like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. Wow. Not that it's bad or wrong, but no. Right. You're just off base, but okay, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so did that feel like a punch in your gut? Like, did you take No, that? it was pretty no. funny. Oh, okay, like, good. I take it as a joke. Like, I'm like... Because I'm kind of like, I've gotten weird comments from everybody forever. So I'm never, you know, and the difference between Ian and I is so different now. Yeah. 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 He lives in Alaska. He's, you know, a corrections officer. Yeah. He's, he's a big manly man compared to you, I guess. Man. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have always been more gregarious than him. Yes. He's yeah. been more scholastic. I've been more athletic. Uh, you know, I used to take him. Uh, uh, hey, did you go to uh, After Dark or Distillery ever? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was your hair white? No. Uh, so I used to go to After Dark and Distillery all the time. Yeah, me too. Uh, I lived there. I think we were talking about distillery, dancing, uh, me being different than Ian. Um, Ian is um, very Christian now. Yeah. And I'm not. Right. I'm like out there. I'm not saying that it's bad. I've studied and I've read all kinds of things. Uh, my dad, here, I'll back, back up a little bit. My dad was a, an ordained Mormon whatever, oh. father, minister, whatever. I didn't know that we were Mormons until after he died. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, because he was always gone. He was in the Navy. And then he worked nights as a doctor. So uh, when, we, when my mom died, my dad worked from three to midnight. 
So I didn't have a parent. Right. And it was me and my twin brother. We, I had to learn at like 11 years old how to you know, cook, clean, do everything. At 14, I could balance a checkbook. Not that I was any good at it, but I could. Right, right. Um, so that's funny that the only class we ever had was based on money. Yeah. And the only thing I remember about that whole freaking class was that we had to do like a fake investment, uh, like a stock investment. And I chose Disney. And everyone mocked me like, what a baby, because back in like 1985, 86, Disney wasn't cool. Right. And man, if I had done that in real life, because I made money even in that class. I'm sure you did, because it would have been a great time. <laughs> yeah. You'd yeah. be on the NASDAQ right now. I know. I totally would. Yeah, I'm not good with money. Okay, so going back to the distillery, I mm-hmm. want to tell you a funny story. Do you know Anna Barnett? Are yes. You? Okay, so you're friends with and Anna. Mike. And Mike, yes. So as I was saying about unofficial reunions, we had an unofficial reunion party one year when I came home. And I think I was staying at Nettie's. I don't know if I stayed with her, but anyway, the party was at her house. And this was the first time that I had seen Anna and Mike. She's talking to me and saying all of these things. And like, don't you remember me from high school? I'm like, no, I'm so sorry. I really don't. And she said, okay, it's not really your fault. I've changed my hair. I've changed my name. I'm like, wait, yeah, you changed your name? And she goes, yeah, I was Stacy. I was like, Stacy what? Because you know, we have a million Stacys, right? Naylor, all of them. Yeah. yeah. And she goes, Stacy Rivera. And I go, I remember that name. But I'm looking at her face and it's still not clicking. Dude, not at all. Not at all, right? And she goes, yeah, we went to the distillery together. I drove you in my Carmen Ghia. And I went, oh, I remember you. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Dude, that's crazy. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember like the night. Oh, she came directly up to me and did the thing that she lived in my neighborhood. Really? Yes. And she walked up to me and she was like, hey, Meryl. I'm like, she's like, yeah. I'm Anna Barnett. I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, are you laying Mike? She's like, oh, I'm married to Mike. I'm like, oh, okay. How would I know the wife of somebody who went to high school with me? She's like, no, we used to live in the same neighborhood. I'm Stacy. And I was like, oh, shit. Dude, you don't look the same at all. There's right, nothing right. the same about you. I know. I, it trips me out. Like, how bad is my memory? But also, can you imagine what it would be like to have reconstructive surgery and just no one recognizes you? Oh, crazy. Wild. Wild. Because once you rec- once you realize, you go, okay, I can see this is still the same and that's still the same. But if you had total reconstructive surgery, you'd be like 100% a different person from like outer space or something, you know? Yes. Yeah. Who she is. Yeah. I love her. But, and she puts up with me because I don't remember anything. And so she teases me incessantly. And I go, look, I was just interested in your Carmen Ghia. <laughs> that's funny that you said that. You know, that happened to me on my senior year. So do you what? remember my car? Yeah, you had the Toyota MR2. Yes. See, now that's weird. I'm not even a car person, but everyone, and I mean everyone, knew two things about you. Your parents had died, mm-hmm. and when they died, you got cars. <laughs> Ian got the truck, you got the car. And Ian couldn't drive for like years, couldn't figure it out. I had no other information about you. Right. Literally, that was it. That's why when we started this, I said, I can't pretend I know any truth. Because I always heard you lived with an uncle or something. No, it was my older brother. Yeah. And then at 17, we, we moved over into Feather Ridge and moved in with a friend's family. I, I, you don't remember Brian? You probably don't. Brian was a total nerd. You probably don't even know. I am a huge 
D&D nerd. <gasps> you are? Oh, yeah. Oh. So my whole, so when I was growing up, Brian and his brother are the people that we used to play D&D with. And they, they're his family is the one that got us to move in with them and took care of us for like about another seven months, eight months until we were old enough to be on our own. Dude, my D&D crew, one of them is like the founder and he created EverQuest. Really? Who's that? Um, John Smedley. Oh, okay. I know of John Smedley because Tristan Higgins worked with him at Sony. Sony? Yeah. yeah, he was, he was the president of Sony Online Gaming. Yeah. So I know of him, but I don't know him. So there's that. There's Brian, who is now a, uh, an art teacher, but now he's an art teacher for uh, St. Michael's. Yeah, the Catholic one in Poway. Oh. Yeah. I don't remember that place, so sorry. Yeah, there's a lot of the kids that we grew up with. If you ask, a lot of them went to St. Michael's. There's a whole crew. Hmm. Um, there's uh, Keith Clement. Do you know Keith? I do know Keith Clement, yep. He I know him because of Jenny Davis-Rail. I don't really know him either. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he was part of my D&D crew. He's now like head of cybersecurity for like part of the nation, dude. It's nuts. That whole crew was like this amazing group. I'm not, that's why the, the family thinks that I'm odd. Uh, I have a lot of different likes. I'm not your normal average everyday guy. That's probably why I like you because I'm kind of all over the map too. I, I never fit in in any one group, I felt like a butterfly. I related to this part of that group, this part of that group, and I would just go around and around and around. But funny that you said that. Hey, uh, Mariposa is, you know what that word is? Mariposa? Butterfly? Yes. It's my Spanish name. All of my restaurants, the crews would call me Mariposa because I really? flitter around from spot to spot and do things wow. like you described. So well done. Wow. Okay, cool. So again, I don't want to keep you all day. So I want to make sure that we sort of dovetail some of this stuff back together. Even as you've been talking about all your different phases in your life, you've been saying the word poignant over and over. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like the connections you made during those poignant times made them poignant. Yes. Can you expand on that? Well, yeah. And, it, you know, and it's funny because I use... Uh, people as the milestones, as the markers, you know, uh, there was a phase that it was, you know, basically I, I was a kid and then there was Ian and I against the world. Huge turning point in my life. I learned a lot about working together as a team, you know, protecting somebody, um, how, how to treat people, you know, uh, I then moved from him to the next poignant person or poignant time in my life, which is then there's like the Nordstrom connection, which is what really coincides with my next girlfriend which is a long-term five-year kind of rocky, she cheats on me all the time and I'm a sucker and I go for it, which kind of creates this, that open lifestyle. I mean, it's like, what, you know, hey, it doesn't hurt, whatever. So she and Nordstrom became a huge, they're still a huge part of my life. I learned customer service. I learned respect. I then moved to the, you know, my next crazy poignant part, which is freaking getting married. Like, really? Well, uh, you know. Uh, and I'm like, okay, well, then it moves me to Oklahoma, which then changes my life, which then brings us back to is, you know, life poignant or fate driven, you know, was I moved to Oklahoma to bump into my now wife, who gave me these two amazing daughters that has given me this wonderful lifestyle that's brought me back to San Diego in this weird circular lifestyle. When I first started dating her, she was like, I'll never go to San Diego. I don't want to do that. You know, we can go, but I won't live there. I'm, you know, and then we came here and she's like, we're moving. <laughs> 
and my ex-wife wanted to move away and this is where i feel at home like in oklahoma i was like crazy so i had my ex-wife and oklahoma being incredibly poignant in my life holy cow life turning everything changing you know uh, i then turned to literally the review that changed my weight and my way that i looked at myself you know when somebody tells you that you're fat on a review you're like well shit yeah maybe i am <laughs> maybe at this point if somebody can casually tell me across the table so that changed me now in my eating habit at that same time i was going through the midst of my now first divorce and i met my crazy now wife now and we were just wild she was younger than me she's 13 years younger and so she's just a totally different energy man and she has become an incredibly poignant all the way now to where we're divorcing as really good friends you know, we're going back where we're supposed to be back right now in Oklahoma for a wedding. And we were going back as a family. Well, now it's been pushed to June. So it looks like now we go as a family and we take my girlfriend with me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And everybody's happy. You know, we're all friends. We all hang out. We can do dinners and stuff. So she became poignant. Like my now wife became really poignant. In that time, there were some, you know, things, my daughter's being born and stuff. Um, I look at milestones. You said something to me about taking challenges and doing it myself. I look at life like that and I, I weigh life at that. You know, I weigh, I weigh heavily on my high school years. My wife now gives me a hard time about going to every reunion. I'm like, to me though, it was, it was a very important part of my life. And those people, that same group of people that keep coming back and then diverse people like you. You know what I mean? That I learned that we're a part of it, not totally there at the same time, but still that same feeling. It becomes that, that rolling thing. She's never gone to one of her reunions, nothing. Not a, no friends in high school, barely any of them from Facebook or anything along those lines. And so, you know, now I moved to the last two years where I stopped working. First part of my work year, I learned that I was a terrible, like lazy sloth. If I didn't, if I didn't put challenges in front of myself. So I started putting challenges in front of myself. I'll tell you, I keep the, the, this house is clean. The whole property is all done. Nobody wants for food. You know, it, it changed me on being a parent. And then I became the like PE coach for my daughter's schools. So I was in it and I was having fun. They asked me to come back even when yes. I, my daughter wasn't at the school. I was like, no, I can't do that. You don't pay me. I'm not going to do this for everybody. <laughs> But now I have a connection with all of those kids. Those kids, like, they're my friends. I was their PE teacher for two years, you know? Um, and now I'm getting a divorce. And at first I was like, ooh, this sucks. I hate everything. This is terrible. Now I look at it like we're still a family. We're still growing, you know? We still hang out together. We still talk about everything. Again, another poignant turn in my life. So this is what I got. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, trying to wrap this up and not take your all day, even though I could tell we could talk all day. You can call anytime. Hey, have at it. I'm more than happy. Awesome. Well, especially if you are having a hard time, please call me because now I feel like I, I'm caught up. I get your life. You can just, just jump right in and tell me crap and not have to explain, you know? Right on. Thank you. So when I first announced I was doing this podcast, everyone's like, oh, what's it about? Is it about books? It's got to be about books. Like, yeah. Uh, okay. I have more interest in just books, but I would be, I would be remiss to not ask about if you are such a self learner and a self challenger, have you like taught yourself through books? Um, 
I, you know, it's funny. I look at certain books that I have read. Have you ever, or, or, and this one's a little tiny one called 212 Degrees. No, I don't know that book. It's just a motivational book. And it's talking about that if you have 211 degrees, you don't have boiling water. It only takes one degree of change. Oh. Really, it's a, for me, it's been one of these moving things. There's like three or four books that have moved me in my life. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I think is a really funny book. Not a good read, but I, it, it taught me a little bit about money. Um, Atlas Shrugged mm-hmm. has taught me about society more than anything out there in this world. You know, I, I have learned to look at society in a different way. But have I read books to teach myself stuff? You want to talk about animal husbandry? Have some fun with that. <laughs> when you've got to learn to stick your hand up something to get something out, <laughs> there's, there's not a whole lot that you can do. There's not a class on that anywhere out here right now in California. There's like, all right, so this is what you're going to do when the sheep's having a baby. Stick your hands in like this and pull it out. Like, no, that's oh, come on. City, city slickers didn't prepare you adequately? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and cows don't follow like that unless you've got hay in your hand. So when you were talking about your restaurant life, about working up from busboy, you know, and the steps that you took up, I thought, oh, I hope he's read Kitchen Confidential. No. <gasps> Bourdain. You got to read Bourdain. I know, but I don't do, I don't read a whole lot. And this is where I try and do things on my own is I try to stay away from the restaurant teaching things. Mm-hmm. Because when I worked in the restaurants, I wanted it to be my teachings coming through. The reason that I recommend Kinship Confidential, especially now that you're not running a restaurant, is because he was one of those, didn't know anything, floundering, and he learned to become himself by working in restaurants and working his way up and not to look down on the bussers and the dish boys and all that stuff, you know. From a self-made guy to a self-made guy, I think you'd, you'd like it. I appreciate that. Yeah, any books, I love, I still read voraciously. I lo- uh, that is one thing that I, uh, having a shitty childhood, I think was wonderful in that respect, that I learned the appreciation of reading. And man, I still to this day haven't stopped. One of my daughters has got it. The other one's kind of like me. But my wife is a huge reader as well. I love it. So throw some uh, recommendations at me. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Uh, so I'm a huge science fiction, science fantasy reader. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know who Raymond Feast is? I Wrote the Magician series. You know where he lives? Uh-uh. Delmar. Really? Do you know what his favorite restaurant used to be? Yours. No, not mine. It was Fleming's right next door, who I was really good friends with the owner. Okay. So he introduced me, and I got to sit down on some of his book using groups where he would come together and it was so amazing like he was rewriting books and there was like authors that i knew like on the phone janie words and stuff and i'm like dude that's so bizarre oh, i loved it i loved it um anything from him uh, i i try and tell everybody to read atlas shrug just because it's a book that every person on this planet should read it's just nuts to me. we'll need another whole session on that i've read it three times and written a paper on it have you really so i have probably read it i'd say two or three times but i've listened to it and and, and i would say even the movies did you ever watch the movies no Mm-mm. you should I don't, I don't know i like it in my head hey i don't ever say to write watch movies especially after reading the books this one actually was interesting and what i liked is is that they did it's a multi-part series and the first one is here, and it's got some really interesting actors. But in the second one, they did not use any of the same actors, so you didn't have the same feeling. 
it was really cool. It was a great move in that. Interesting. Um, that is interesting. I would say a, a great book that people would never read right now is Ready Player One. Oh, loved it. Oh, movie was the worst movie on the planet. It was terrible. Terrible. But I li- I listened to it because I love Will Wheaton, mm-hmm. and he did such a good job reading it. So we love that book so much here at this house that we read it as a family. Aww. And so we would sit down on the dinner table and everybody would take turns reading it. And so we would go on trips and start it in the car. No music, no anything. And everybody's reading the book. I mean, everybody's trying to pass it. Who's supposed to read? It was so much fun. That's adorable. That's adorable. Yeah, it was wonderful. And it's a good story. And then it makes those idiots like the 80s. Everybody hated it, and now my daughter, she just puts on her playlist the other day, and here comes the Joy Division, and I was like, oh, I love Joy Division! I'm going to take you to the English Beach! We're going to go! You should. Totally should. I know! Have you seen the TV show Sex Education? Yes. Parts of it. Well, it's amazing, and they have a really great 80s soundtrack. Do they? Yes. Joy Division is included. Ugh. Uh, man, and it was so I, I love it because my wife hates the 80s. She's like, Oh, god, it's all the same. I'm like, It's great though. And now, my, my oldest daughter is all about it. She's putting stuff out there. And my, my wife's like, Why are we listening to the Simple Minds right now? I'm like, Because it's a great song. <laughs> Don't be stupid. Uh, yeah, dude, I'm totally about it. Yeah, I just have one final question, although it's not a short one, uh, unfortunately. But since your wife doesn't like the reunion stuff and doesn't get it. How do you explain to her why it's important to you? Um, well, she's known from the beginning that it's, it's been important to me, like my high school years. Cause I've told her about all the re I told her about my high school years and I told her about the reunions and I've told her about the people and the feelings and we're back in the Poway unified school district again. So she gets that, that weird camaraderie that this whole area had for some reason. Um, and then she, so my ex-wife, when she went, she went to only one of my reunions. She hated it. She was a bump on a log. She sat in the corner and she sucked. Mm. Terrible. Yeah. Now, fast forward, my wife goes, this chick starts bumping into people and she starts figuring out that these people are cool. Like she's hanging out with Dara. Uh-huh. Like they're best friends by the end of it. We're going, we're walking back and they're both hammered, like swaying back and forth. And I'm like, this is what you get hanging out with this stupid group. She's like, I like going to your, your, your reunion. She's like, the people are always nice. You know, uh, she talked to, oh God, who was it? I, I know you talked to her the last one, right? I think so. I think you did. Yes, quite a bit. And then somebody else like pulled her aside and was like hanging out with her the whole time. I'm like, the hell? So she started to figure out what was important. You know, she heard the stories and then saw all these people that are the same people year after year going to these things. And still the same energy and stuff. And so she started to, to get it and have fun with it. And the last one, she didn't want to leave. I'm like, what the hell? Nice. Like, nice. shut up. I'm trying to make out. I'm like going out this way. And she's like, hold on. I'm still finishing the conversation with like Jody Ostrom or something. I'm like, shut up. Awesome. So anyway, the reason I ask about the reunion thing is because I don't know if I've ever told you my theory that we're a cult. So my wife has said that about this. Maybe I gave her that idea. I don't know. Maybe it was because she said it. She's like, you guys are like this weird cult. Like everybody, like, ah, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. And it's basically a weird cult based on happiness. Yeah. And so far, I have about half of the people who've signed up to do the podcast are from Mount Carmel, including mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Pacillo and Mr. Factor. Really? Yeah. 
I think that's the fundamental thing. We're generally interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, you know Johnny Christensen? Yes. Uh, well, it's his wife's birthday today, but he, like he and I, we went to, like I have crazy memories with him from grade school. Grade school, high school, everything. Dude, that guy broke our bicycle. You can ask him. He'll, he'll still remember that damn story. He broke one of our bikes. You know, it's funny about him. We never talked in high school. Really? I don't, I don't think even a high, nothing. And then the last big reunion, we all sat at the sort of back patio till like 3, 4 a.m. And he sat there with me for hours. He's a great guy. I'm like, I've never talked to you before. And now we're spending hours together. It's weird. And it's comfortable. Yeah, totally comfortable. It's weird how the group just kind of moved. Totally. He's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I bumped into Pete Taylor, who was one of those guys that I just ended up talking to one day where I never talked to him in high school. And then after high school, man, we started talking about things, you know, with his adoption. Right. I was in the middle of surrogacy right at that same time. So my wife was doing surrogacy for two guys from Norway while he was going through his adoption. So we sat down and literally talked for hours at like one of the ones in Poway. Yeah, and it was really cool. Like I had never talked to him before. I didn't know who he was, you know, and it was great. And that's one of the things that I like about this group is that it just kind of flows and everybody, you, you know, you see somebody at a reunion, you're like, oh yeah, hey, what's up? And you hang out. Yeah, well, um, we didn't talk about half things that I thought we were going to. So I think we need a part two at some point. And uh, just want to let you know that one of the podcasts that I love is um, Dak Shepard's podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. He is an interesting guy like you. Gregarious, like talk about anything, talk about all of his past troubles and everything. And he, his first guest was Ashton Kutcher. And mm -hmm. that was like two years ago. And he just had Ashton back on. And he told Ashton that he listen to the first one of them again to sort of prep for the second one and he was so embarrassed he hated it he couldn't believe ashton put up with him he couldn't believe how bad the podcast was all this stuff and i thought to myself great i'm dax and meryl is ashton kuchar dude i'm in it let's do this <laughs> that one day we'll do this again and we'll look back and go well that was shit let's try it again <laughs> but the main thing is we had fun right I agree. I love yeah. it. Anytime. I'm more than happy to. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. There's, you. there's a whole freaking iceberg for us to still talk about. And I appreciate that. Let's have some fun. All That's right. what life is about. Getting to know people. I agree. Thank you so much for being my first ever podcast person. And I will always remember you for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You take, you take care, brother. You too. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. and we had as you could hear a all over the place kind of a chat I thought it was fun I'm really loving 
the podcast, talking to old friends and getting to be better acquainted. And I cannot wait to the next one. We'll be talking to Laura Mavartian Rim and hope that you come along each and every week and episode. Thanks. Take care. Stay safe and wear your mask.